0: Today's scripture reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, from the Message Translation, which reads, I turned my head and saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness, a solitary person, completely alone, no children, no family, no friends, yet working obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog, never having any fun? And who cares? More smoke, a bad business. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. If one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, oh, that's tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. This is God's Word. Every newborn comes into this world looking for someone, looking for her. So says Ginny Allen in her book, Find Your People, quoting her friend who just happens to be a neurorelational expert. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I did what any curious person would do who does more than skim over new words. I looked it up. In other words, I googled it. The neuro-relational approach to child development is built upon two key assumptions. One, experience, not simple maturation, changes the brain. That would be the neuro part. And two, all learning happens in the context of relationships. That would be the relational part. All learning happens in the context of relationships. What a concept. And it starts the first moment we emerge from our mother's womb. In his book, The Life We're Looking For, Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World, Andy Crouch elaborates on these early stages through which we have all passed. Recognition is the first human quest. After an ordinary delivery, after the first few startled cries, newborn infants typically spend an hour or so in the stage doctors call quiet alert. Though they can only focus their vision roughly eight to 12 inches away, their eyes are wide open. They are searching with an instinct far deeper than intention. They're looking for a face and when they find one, especially a face that gazes back at them, they fix their eyes on it, having found what they were most urgently looking for. Recognition is the primary task of infancy. Feeding, crying, and even sleeping are just the support system for this most essential work of figuring out who we are and where we are by making contact with other people, seeing them, seeing us, gradually gradually beginning to build our sense of self through their eyes. As we nursed, our eyes found another pair of eyes and held on to them. When we were handed over to a father or a grandmother or an aunt or a cousin, we found their faces as well, gradually distinguishing them from one another. We looked at them with the steady, uninterrupted gaze of a baby, and because we were a baby, so very helpless and so very unable to cause harm, with those magnificently large eyes and that impossibly soft skin, they looked back at us with that same endless attention unhindered and unafraid." End of quote. So, this is how we start. Eager eyes seeking out the face of the other, through which we not only come to know them, but through which we come to know ourselves. How sad that experience of the solitary person completely alone is where too many of us end up. Our 1,000 friends on Facebook notwithstanding, in fact, few can be more profoundly alone and solitary than those who are hyper-connected from a distance. Our need for each other's faces doesn't stop at birth. Which is perhaps why the beloved elder writes to his little children in what are the shortest pieces of literature in the New Testaments that would be Second and Third John, I don't want to write you with pen and ink, but I hope to come to you soon, and we shall speak face to face, literally stama pros stama in the Greek, mouth to mouth, that our joy may be full. And so, bring on that glorious visage through which I will know you and know myself in fuller measure, that our joy may be full. So how about this for a second reading today, short and sweet. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the human to be alone. I will make a help fitted to the human's needs and nature. That's Genesis 2.18. So what do you see here? And what do you see as you lay this alongside today's passage in Ecclesiastes? See what you see and then pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer. It is not good for the human to be alone. What application does this have beyond the immediate application we usually make to the marriage relationship? Whether married or not, who is your help fitted to your nature and needs? Where do we find such a help or ally? To what extent would you say your identity connects with your relationship with and among others? What are perhaps some less than helpful ways group or relationships have impacted your identity? Lord, pierce any darkness of unhealthy isolation in my life. Teach me healthy rhythms of knowing how to be alone and how to be with others. And let both rhythms shape my identity in ways that cause your image in me to shine more brightly, more fully, more wholly. Through your Spirit, with, upon, and in us. Amen.